It's the Mac John and Justin podcast. Yay! <laughs> We're doing a fist bump. Yay! <laughs> um, welcome, dear listener. We're trying to record this on Zoom video as well. So, welcome, dear viewer, as well, if this has all worked out. Yes, welcome. <laughs> Welcome. We, um, for those tuning into us for the first time, we are Meg, John, and Justin, and um, this is what we look Mac like. John, I'm pointing. This is what that's we look Justin. Like. <laughs> These are our flats, yeah. and um, we are we podcast about sex and relationships, and uh, our relationship to ourselves, and the relationship to the wider world, and consent, and um, it's pretty wide ranging. Yeah, uh, it's not just blowjob tips. No, nope. we also watch Groundhog Day. <laughs> Yeah, we have a Patreon. So, dear listener, if you've been missing us and you've been wondering, oh, where can I, where can I, I've been missing Megan and Justin. I wonder what they have to say about this. Oh. Oh. We're on Patreon. You can <laughs> listen to us from just $1 a month and listen to our exclusive content, um, which is a pay what you can afford Patreon mm-hmm. uh, because we're nice like that. And yeah, the last one we did was a watch along of Groundhog Day, which we yeah. thoroughly enjoyed doing. Existential. Yeah, we also did two over two hours worth of uh, podcasting about solo sex. Yeah, really good. Uh, and we've done a lot. So yeah. um, do sign up to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Meg, John and Justin. Um, so today we are responding to a listener's question, an ear pals mm. question about, they wanted us to do one about neoliberalism. And the effect on sex and relationships. And the question was also like, can you explain what you mean by neoliberalism? Because it's the kind of thing that we've talked about a lot. I'm Um, very grateful for this because I feel like I kind of know how it applies to sex and relationships, but the kind of piece of what is it more broadly and how did it come into being is something I'm hazy about at best. So, and I know you know a little more about that, so I'm really looking forward to this. I'll try a bit there. The one thing that (laughs) I gather from any of my reading and listening about neoliberalism is that it's really hard to come up with the definition. So, uh, yeah. mm. So I'll I'll try Well, that gives us a get out of jail free card. (laughs) Exactly, hundred yeah. percent. I couldn't couldn't put that better myself. So um, yeah, so we're going to kind of explain it uh, gently now. Remember, we're sex and relationships educator, educatory type podcasters rather than uh, um, a politics podcast. Um, yeah. But um, Phew. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, let's explain. Oh, have I just messed up the video there by because I have to look at it on my anyway. I might have just messed up the video. It okay, says it's fine. recording on mine. Yeah, okay, well, let's go for it. So, um, okay, so what we're going to do is start out with like mm. a definition of neoliberalism, try to explain what it is, and then talk about, well, we might be talking about it in the past tense, because as, it, as we are speaking to you during the coronavirus, during the horrendous COVID thing ni- that is happening, COVID-19. COVID-19 pandemic slash apocalypse, it, and the the uh, con- concomitant uh, financial crisis that is mm-hmm. going that is starting, um, it may be the end of neoliberalism. But we also thought that um, during uh, the last financial crash, which was mm-hmm. around twelve years ago, uh, and it didn't, so it might end this time. So we might be speaking historically about neoliberalism. But anyway, mm. so let's explain what it is. So it's basically a way of it's. Um, a, a political kind of paradigm 
which is like a, a way, a mode of thinking, a mode of organizing um, the economy, wherein yeah. it's the it is we leave it up to the free market to decide what it is that is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea comes from like uh, originally, I think, from like Adam Smith, which is liberalism, mm. where basically it's just the um, the 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 trade in. Uh, goods and services and capital moving around is the most important thing and that everything else will be okay if we just allow that to happen as freely as possible yeah right and near near liberalism as i understand it is the imposition of that um, mm. by governments on people and so when we talk about neoliberalism rather than liberalism we're often talking about a project which kind of began in the middle of the last century uh, and it kind of began for some people, it was beginning. These ideas were becoming popular in terms of um, government policies around the world from um, the mid fifties. Others kind of draw a distinction of it being beginning of uh, the Margaret Thatcher years and the Ronald mm. Reagan years. So mm. often, the way we talked about it on the show before is that it's something that we've uh, had for the last forty years. Mm. Um, so, and it's certainly something which has become more acute in the last forty years. And the idea of neoliberalism is that the the state and the power of the states get smaller and smaller to mm. allow for business and big business and capital to get bigger and bigger. And yeah. certainly in the case of the UK, but also in the US and other, other um, large economies around the world, the state not only is getting smaller and smaller, but the state kind of outsources um, the, uh, the running of essential services to uh, the market to big business and we've yeah. been seeing that with the increasing privatization of the NHS um, certainly in my area sexual health services mm-hmm. um, sexual health services um, have often been basically everyone in sexual health services um, all the sexual health services in the UK or certainly in England um, have had to um, uh, resubmit bids to run their own services so the contracts to run sexual health services um, mm. were open to lots of different people, including uh, Virgin Group, uh, Richard, mm. uh, run by Richard Branson. Um, and basically, it was seen, sexual health services were seen as this thing that could be um, sold off. It could still remain free for people um, to access mm. uh, and for it to be open, but uh, for, for people to be able to get free treatment from. Uh, but the running of them wouldn't necessarily be by the NHS. It, mm. w- it could also be run by businesses or even large charities, but essentially it was Virgin, uh, which led to one case of uh, uh, Virgin suing the NHS um, uh, for not being, at, for not being able to bid for a particular contract for a sexual health service, I think it was. Anyway, wow. so that's just an example of it. So, right. Uh, well, we- then I, I think, yeah, like, because I was in higher education before we definitely saw that kind of thing happen there as well that instead of like universities really moved from being like a place Mm -hmm. of education of students and helping them understand Mm -hmm. the way the world worked to this kind of business model where that students Mm -hmm. were consumers they were paying um and it was all about getting big funding and so it's much more less it was much less like research is much less driven by the passions of the researchers and what seemed important and teaching was much was much more driven about trying to give people like employment possibilities rather than this sort of value of learning for its own sake yes and that also i think that also shifted with the labor government where there was the attempt to the the target of getting 50 percent of the population into university in order to have a more specialist and skilled Mm. workforce in order to increase gdp so this leads on to the next point of Mm. neoliberalism is that 
the measure by which we measure how well a country, a community, um, a, pe- a, a people is doing is by mm. gross domestic product. So like how much the country is making, like how mm. productive it is. Um, and so in Trash Future, um, uh, the, a podcast that I really enjoy listening to that makes me smile every time I think about it, when they did their first podcast um, mm. post, um, post the, the current financial crisis, they were talking about um, light, the, the importance of the line going up um, mm. and actually now the line is going down uh, and so and it's just not possible for um, the line to go up all of the yeah. time because um, it uh, sorry I, this is the really political bit but we no, will get like to the it. sex and relationships bit but basically yeah. the, the way that we um, the way that line goes up is basically extractive so it's basically about extracting as much possible um, value from um, from uh, from people that people can that capital people yeah. in big business could profit from. So it's mm. about basically. So it's very extractive, which means that injustice is baked into it. So yeah. in order for the line to continue going up, people need to remain poor, and their yeah. labour needs to be extracted from them in a way, and their service uh, and their services need to be extracted from them in a way that business can profit from at all times but that was that was that is a well that is going to run dry and it is a well that is running dry essentially mm. um so which is uh but the injustice that has built been built in obviously also creates um you know a horrible situation for many many parts of the world to live in so the right. developing world uh where we're all buying our very cheap clothes from for example mm. Uh, people are having to or buying our cheap phones from uh, people are working in hor- horrendous conditions for very little pay mm. um, in order that we can have you know nice phones and that that and the the, the cheaper labor um, is is an essential part to us all having the nice things that we have around us and this is another reason sorry ranting on this is another re- reason why we've all been kind of sucked into neoliberalism over the past um, well yeah. many of us uh, is that our we've not necessarily been earning a great deal more but we've been able to buy more cheaper things so over yeah. the past 40 years goods and goods and services have got cheaper and cheaper even though our e- even though our earnings haven't got mm. haven't increased substantially mm. so we've been able to buy like computers and gadgets and fridges and things but the reason we've been able to buy those is that the costs have been kept down because the labor for building those um, has been done in parts of the world where that labor can be exploited in order yeah. that we can get cheaper things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing there about this kind of is starting to lead on to, um, to the bit about sex and relationships is mm. that um, in, this, in this neoliberal, um, under this neoliberal kind of paradigm, so that I've, I've talked a bit about the, the economic kind of elements of it, but there's the more social element of it as well, which is basically where we have all become neoliberal ourselves. So yeah. where there is scarcity in the world, where there are few, where there are fewer resources around, instead of being instead of the answer being well, we can just create more resources, we can just print more money, which we can. We're told yeah. there's only so there's only so much resource to go around and that we all have to compete for it yeah so it's turned it's turned us less from being uh, lots of communities of people working together uh, mm. which was 
uh, more like which was happening more in the beginning of the last in the middle of the last century where there was um, many more people in unions for example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that shifted more into uh, there's a famous Margaret Thatcher quote where she said there is no such thing as society there are only individuals and families and so yeah. that is an idea that is the this kind of social element of neoliberalism where we have ter- been turned into by by the state but also each other into these individualized kind of actors who yeah. and we are all being forced to compete against each other um, and it's like for- this d- d- i think the bit that comes in here to my mind is also like the american dream and meritocracy this idea yeah. that there isn't really mm-hmm. injustice like as long as you as an individual work hard enough you're the what you're going to prosper um exactly and so if anyone's doing badly it can't possibly be those injustices which like yeah. really ties into how to victim blame and the kind of idea of a just yeah. world and all of this so it really does relate to then gender race class all these other things because we're sort of taught to like see those as not real and it's like if yeah. only you'd work hard enough or if only you could see that you're making it up it's not really that injustice that's the problem Exactly, and yeah. that leads to so many, uh, so many, so many problems. So mm-hmm. uh, wealth inequality. Um, uh, so there's no such thing as a. So the idea of a meritocracy is mm. is very neoliberal. That we basically just have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and learn yes. new things, and we can get on, and we can all succeed. And it's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opportunity is to our, our, the opportunity for us to do to to in inverted commas succeed in life or do the things that we want to are very unfairly distributed absolutely this is where we talk about power and privilege so people born with wealth have way more opportunity to do the things that they want to than people not born with wealth mm-hmm. um, but also that is then that intersects with other identities and other different kinds of oppressions as well so um, racism sexism uh, disablism mm-hmm. transphobia homophobia biphobia uh, ageism classism as this kind of broader um identity as well as it being about class in terms of our how much wealth we have Mm. um those those things uh also those things prevent us from being able to um uh have the kinds of uh lives that we want to have that kind of injustice prevents us from having the lives that we want to have Mm. but also it um bakes in this uh, inequality which means that um, uh, people's experience of um, uh, discrimination uh, often leads to uh, um, so our mental health is often mm. is, is actually uh, mostly related to the, our experience of discriminations and our experience of uh, disprivilege yeah. rather than our experience of privilege. Um, I think yeah. is the point that I was going to make there. But you know the double the double whammy it does on you is because everything's individualized. Then we yeah. think it, and this is this is getting onto the territory I've written a lot about. This sort of mental health yeah. piece is that yeah, like mental health struggles are primarily structural and systemic, and yet mm-hmm. what we're encouraged to do is individualize them and see ourselves as flawed and needing fixing. And it's really a, tr- a tough one because obviously when we are struggling we do want to look at it and shift the habits that are keeping us in a struggle. But where those yeah. came from is capitalism and intergenerational trauma. You know, where those came from is outside of us and we mm-hmm. can't do it all alone. We do need, we do need that. We need the systems to change as well. Um, yeah. Or primarily really, cause that's, that's, so I'm writing a lot about that at the moment. And I did this scene a long while back called social mindfulness, which kind of gets mm-hmm. at this, like there's the injustice piece and the individualizing piece 
um, yeah. that are constantly playing out on all levels, um, basically. So this is where me and mm. you come in, actually, yeah. because we're people who um, are offering, and we've talked about this a lot on many previous episodes, but mm. me and you are... Um, are likely to face and do f- the, the kind of work that me and you are doing is like to face criticism from those on the left who would mm-hmm. say you know and we've made these criticisms ourselves so you yeah. know it would be that you know, people who didn't know what we we're doing the people who think that they knew what we we're doing would say mm-hmm. well what you're offering is individual solutions to yeah. um, community and societal problems so we're offering an individual solution if we're doing if with our episode of self-care we would just to talk about you should just look after yourself and we completely ignored the fact that it was capitalism and neoliberalism doing a number mm. on us and making us all you know as we just talked about yeah um then we're part of the problem and so that's situated so mm. for us that is always a tension that we've uh well it's not it's not a tension that we find difficult but mm. it's something that we always bring into the work is that we're having really to work vital. on all these, di- all these yeah. different levels as individuals interpersonal relationships community relationships and then broader societal messages which we always sort of see as like nested kind of into intersecting interlocking circles um and we have to look at them all but i guess i see my role when it's self-help that i'm doing with you or in with others or alone is kind of like how do we navigate that though given that we are a person here in the world like exactly we don't want to be struggling like hell all the time so how do we navigate that um yeah yeah it's like when we watched queer eye uh, yeah and we're like you know and we're and when it's a good example of this you know mm. when people like karama were saying you need to focus on yourself and pull yourself up mm. um but then if there wasn't a discussion about someone's experience of racism or something yeah. um what people and what what we need to do politically mm. then um then it's neoliberal yeah. So it's basically just people telling individuals that they can just succeed if they exactly. get better at this or learn this thing. And it's or so painful and it's so painful yeah. for everyone because the it feels like there's two sort of strategies you can go to as, a, as an individual when you believe that. One of which is yeah. like over-functioning and perfectionism mm-hmm. and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, which has been my go-to, um, you know. And yeah. then you do you put yourself in a shitload of pain because you're just working mm. far too hard and burning out, or you can just give up because it's just way too much, which it is, and go to yeah. the more like, under-functioning end and have a really painful life that way as well, because then you're constantly judging yourself and you're constantly in shame because you're not matching up to all of this stuff you're told. And it's like neither neither strategy wins but they're sort of like the only two possible strategies under this system if you buy the system so the only way is to kind of be resisting the system which is a really big ask because you know you're in the system exactly so that's a good example of the first element of this which is where the Mm. the the big picture is the small picture and the small picture is the big picture so if we're being told that we are individuals and there's no such thing as society and all we need to do is to work hard learn some things and we can all get on Mm -hmm. which is nonsense it's a fairy story Mm. Um, and then we do that then we the, we perpetuate the idea of neoliberalism in what it is we do on a personal level yeah. and on that way neoliberalism, neoliberalism has never had to be imposed on us so um, for example when Margaret Thatcher came to power in um, 1979 she wasn't talking about um, they never talk about neoliberalism yeah. they, 
uh, Margaret Thatcher never said that she was going to sell everything off. There was like mm. one utility she was said that she was going prepared to sell off. I can't remember what it was. Mm. Um, but it, it's not like we've been clamouring for this. Or please, can you sell us shares in? Um, yeah. Can you sell off uh, state-owned uh, things for us all to buy shares in? Like um, we used to, we used to. Um, the state used to run Thomas Cook. <laughs> interestingly, wow, I didn't even know that. that Thomas Cook, after the Second World War, was nationalised for a bit. I mean, actually, at the moment, pretty much all business is nationalised. <laughs> but we'll come on to that later. But I remember um, them. I remember them selling it to us like this, which was the one where there were all these adverts, like if you see Sid, tell him, and that was they were selling British off, Gas. I think British Gas. One. They were yeah. selling off the gas utility, but they were encouraging yeah. us all to buy. Oh, but you can be part of it because you can buy mm. shares in it. Like, so it's we it's were already for you, a part really. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we already owned it, yeah. and now it's it's basically it's, it's uh, yeah they sell, they were selling us a, a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we used to um, uh, airlines used to be state run. Yeah, uh, British Airways used British to be run Airways, by state. Well, anyway. a lot of the things that had yeah. British before them, you know, used to be yeah. <laughs> British Telecom. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but so so yes yeah, so. It's basically this, so the, just to finish on the political mm. level on this before mm. we get to the sex and relationships bit, is that because we've never had to be sold it, we've just been taught that it is this new reality. This is just what we do now. Yeah. And so we, we, too many of us have internalised the idea that uh, the state does need to be smaller and that business mm. can do a really good job and there's nothing wrong with business doing some things. And uh, and I think that there is a role for my personal politics. Is that I think mm. there is a role for business and there is a role for state and that too much power has been given to business and mm. been taken away from the state. Other people would say everything needs to be run by the state. Other people say everything needs to be run by business. I think there needs to shift mm. um, needs to shift power to the state and the state needs to be able to do things that aren't necessarily for profit. But... Mm. We've, but we've, but by acting individually, we've, we're all telling ourselves that this is true now. Yeah. And actually, it's not. It's just a political ideology that we've been living under. That for many yeah. of us, it's difficult to imagine. Uh, it's difficult to imagine a way of uh, living outside of that. So Mark Fisher talks about this in his book Capitalist Realism, which I've not read. You've read this, haven't you? But yeah, I got a bit annoyed because he was a bit, he was a bit down on the kids all the time. It was like, oh, this next generation, blah blah blah, and that that bit annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but basically, I... the idea, the idea is that yeah. um, is that we we it's easier to imagine the end of the world and mm. the apocalypse than it is to imagine the end of capitalism. Right, because it's been it's so. Well, this but, this is the point or, about or climate change right? activism, right? Like yeah. climate change activism come along as like you know we need to change this, that, and the other, and everyone's like we can't possibly change those things, yeah. and now we're changing those things. Um, yeah, yeah, we're having to. Yeah, yeah. so it can be done, so, but yeah. So let's start talking about uh, the effect that this has on us in terms of sex and relationships. Definitely. So, um, I was just, oh, what was the thing I was thinking that came in there with what you were saying? I guess the panopticon thing that we've talked about before, isn't it? That's kind of yep. part of it all, that we all become these neoliberal consumers who are constantly monitoring ourselves. And that really serves yep. the system too, because, well, this brings us to sex and relationships, because we're all so worried about, you know, our mental health our individual mental health we all realize how messed up we are which we are obviously going to be like anyone who's not Mm -hmm. crazy under this system is crazy you know yeah and then we're all worrying about this yeah and we're all worrying about the sex we're having we're all worrying about the relationships we're having because we're being sold Mm. like a lot of the products we're getting sold on the basis of great sex and great relationships and feeling happy you know so all of those things become this constant source of inner turmoil 
Um, and therefore, we're, again, we're very little time or energy for political activism. And we're seeing the problems yeah. in all the wrong places. So we're either blaming ourselves and in this big shame place, or we're blaming others, as we talked about on that podcast, where we're talking about the fear and shame around, you know, the people who are going out at the moment when they shouldn't be. It's like, there's this real encouragement yeah. to just like, look at other individuals and blame them for our struggles, rather than so looking at the whole system. And that is mm. so that that is how that that way of monitoring ourselves mm. is the way that uh, the neoliberalism has just continued. And yeah. so that panopticon idea we've explained it on previous podcasts, but it's a, a, an idea of a prison created by Jeremy Bentham that then Michel Foucault um, wrote a lot about. And the mm. idea is that it's a prison where everyone is living in um, an individual cell in a circle looking inwards to a watchtower in the middle mm. and in the watch the, the prisoners can see the watchtower but they can't see who's in the watchtower uh, but the person the guard in the watchtower can see inside every prisoner's cell yeah. and the idea is that actually whether you whether you don't even need anyone in the watchtower because the prisoners will all be monitoring themselves mm. imagining that they're being watched and exactly that's, that's what followers of Foucault and critics of neoliberalism like uh, ourselves would say is something we've all been encouraged to do and this yeah. has an effect on our individual lives a, and bit, how a huge have, one how we do sex and, and, and it huge. relates it relates massively to trauma as well because in trauma trauma is all about you're in fear and shame all the time and this system mm -hmm. is based on fear and shame it's trying to make us frightened and ashamed so that we do the things that the system wants in order to feel less frightened and ashamed but it's it's all yeah. individualized so either we blame ourselves or we blame other individuals we never look beyond that yeah big time so mm. there is there has been that breakdown of that sense of community with mm. actually a lot of people are kind of leaning into now during um coronavirus pandemic we'll mm. probably talk about that more later but that's something that's been broken down systematically mm. over the past few decades um but also, this, this, so there's a huge overlap here between, with that kind of self-monitoring, that mm. kind of capitalist self-monitoring, and how we are supposed to do sex and relationships yeah. and what is normal. Absolutely. So that kind of monitoring of, um, that self-monitoring that we're doing uh, that has been inculcated by the system that we're in that is forcing us to self-monitor mm. means that we self-monitor in terms of what it is to be normal, what it yeah. is to be like a normal subject. Well, that's uh, where the that's where the science came alongside this economic system, right? Because the science was trying to justify this um, initially in terms of difference between groups of people so it's okay to be unjust and oppressed oppress and colonize various groups if you can say that they're less normal but you get this yeah. what you get then is this whole scientific system based on the idea that it's good to be normal and not good to be not normal and how do we make people more yeah. normal and so yeah we've got this tiny tiny narrow view of what is good sex good relationships good mental health yeah. instead of instead of what is just accurate which is diversity and we know that from yeah. every level of science that what they actually yeah. what we actually have is diversity on everything but it's like yeah. all about you know the whole um, diagnostic and statistical manual you know of psychiatric mm -hmm. disorders is about this is what's normal and here's all the ways you can deviate from normal that we need to fix mm -hmm. whether that's in terms of mental health or sex or relationships and all of those are in there like homosexuality mm -hmm. used to be in there right yeah mm. and so one way of uh uh so uh I, again we've talked about this in previous podcasts but you know mm. uh, i won't keep saying that because this might be the first one of ours that you listen to so mm -hmm. this idea of um 
normal is really strongly associated with procreative and also like reproductive and so mm. the so the, the idea that we uh, are meant to be um, in uh, like nuclear family units mm. that we're meant to be heterosexual that we're meant to be having reproductive sex and meant to be having yeah. kids and meant to be you know a hard-working family um, All is something that yeah. is something that we've been uh, is uh, related to the messages that we've been getting from the mid to late Victorian era. So mm. now the idea of like normal sexuality and normal relationships came from some of those early sexologists who were, some of whom were um, were not acting out of malice mm. uh, and trying to, you know, to understand some, some were better than others, but there was definitely this idea of normal, abnormal, functional, not functional, yeah. healthy, not healthy, um, uh, uh, those kinds of uh, diagnostic terms came into being then yeah and that's the thing that we're living in now and that's where so, the, um, yeah I was gonna say yeah that's where gender sex and relationships are all completely interwoven because yeah. the whole idea of there being opposite genders who are attracted to each other yeah. who's going to fall in love and who are going to have penis and vagina sex it's like it's all connected because we had to at that point legitimize women working unpaid in the home and what better way to do yeah. that than to convince women that they're naturally passive and nurturing and unambitious and, and, and don't really need to be that their value is in their relations with others and being really a, yeah. a good girl basically yeah mm. uh, and as uh regular listeners will know uh we know that that is an invention because yeah. uh in medieval times the it was thought that women were the opposite mm -hmm. uh women were um were portrayed as horny as fuck mm -hmm. uh and some and their desires to needed to be calmed and th th that is something that has shifted yeah um i won't go into that I'll look at the work of dr eleanor yanniger on that and listen to our past podcast with her mm. it was excellent um so, um, first of all, the very definition by which we are meant to be doing sex and relationships, this very narrow, mm. uh, heteronormative, um, normative model of gender and sexuality is also very strongly related to this idea of neoliberalism and capitalism. Yes. That in order to be, that both in terms of economically, but also just terms of, in terms of like, uh, like social uh, norms are expected of us that it is what that is what we're meant to be doing and mm. a, another really good um, example of this is Gail Rubin's uh, charmed circle of sexuality mm. so the idea that there are certain forms of sexuality and relationships in the middle of the charmed circle which are completely okay and some forms of sexuality um, and doing ways of doing relationships in the outer circle completely not okay and that is the thing that is going to change all of the time yeah but even even though all of those things can be done consensually which we think is the most important mm -hmm. um thing uh, uh by uh they can be done consensually so people have the freedom to choose to agree to do those things yeah um, some things are seen as okay and some things not uh that is a, an example of where um of how uh, neoliberalism has had this uh, uh, has had an effect on uh, what it is it was supposed to do, as well as other messages that we've internalised from uh, a much a period much longer back too. But mm. let's get into the bit of sex and relationships, NJ. So all mm. of this means that in terms of how we do sex and relationships, as we talked about in our um, in our last podcast episode, my interview with uh, Joanna Romero, mm. uh, our episode about radical higger. 
Um, the possibility for um, for having sex and relationships is, or the sex and relationships that we want to have, are incredibly difficult under neoliberalism, neoliberal capitalism. Yeah. Because we all have to work really long hours. But again, uh, it, it tells us it tells us they're easy whilst making it more difficult. So it's always this yeah. double bind. It's always this double bind. Um, so, you know, we're sold this idea that it's easier and easier that, should, you know, it's just like falling in love, falling off a log. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to obviously find it really easy to find the one and have great sex for the rest of your life. And then, of yeah. course, you know, then you're going to feel really flawed and like you have to go to all this expertise to help you out and spend all this money to help you out. Mm -hmm. Even the idea of the one mm. and yeah. is very new thing. The idea of uh, that we um, that uh, we need to find a, a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. Crucially, that there is only one out there for us. Yeah, so scarcity. It's about scarcity. Yeah, um, and that uh, only some people get to find their one. Uh, their one and mm. others don't and if you don't find if you do find your one you're a success and if you don't find your one well you're mm. not um really horrible messages to give to people and it's really private really you know it takes us away from community again it takes us away from any yeah. of this potential of banding together and working together because what you're meant to do is keep that relationship private and let no one see it and that's why it's really dangerous because you know so much domestic violence and domestic abuse and mm -hmm. and child violence and abuse in the home as well is under this kind of private nuclear family that no one should see yeah. what's happening in it that's a really important point yeah um and that any kind of that any difficulty in relationships is down to the individual's concern exactly rather than the messages that, that they should work on it control. and if they don't work on it they're a failure rather than this whole yeah. system is you know, really toxic and set up to make relationships bad. If you're looking for all of this in one person to get all your needs yeah. met in one person, you know, no. Well, exactly. as, as we often talk about when we look at all the different kinds of love, it's like we're restricting it down to something very narrow yeah. when it's actually really, really um, broad. Yeah. Right, look at how people respond to when, uh, just from uh, just from a social perspective, look at how people respond to when to celebrations of people getting into romantic relationships. Mm. So engagement parties, weddings, or even just like bringing some bringing a new person along to a social thing, and everyone's very excited to meet that person. Mm. And all of that is done socially. So there is like this social reinforcement of an individual, two individuals finding each other and being in love. And so. The, a group of a group of people at like a wedding are kind of supporting this fairy story of yeah. this couple and that's it now and they're going to live happily ever after but then look how we deal with breakups mm -hmm. like look how what happens when we have like breakups are a very in, uh, individual thing and they feel like an act of failure mm -hmm. we don't have big breakup parties no we don't have all those people who were there for the couple yeah. to help you know to encourage them to get married or to encourage them at the beginning of their relationship they're not then there in, the, in that great number yeah. supporting a decoupling, like supporting them to go their separate ways and say, well, you know, it was good for a bit. Now mm -hmm. we'll help you do something else. So anyway, that's it. Uh, that's another rant of mine. I think we should have more divorce parties. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, it's sort of this onwards. Like you said, it's the graph going up, not going down. Same thing. Relationship yeah. escalator. It's only good if things are going up. You know, but life isn't going to yeah. go up. We're going to die. You know, it's like it's a it's selling yeah. us this awful thing that means we're all going to 
really struggle with death as well because it's just yeah. this it's and we're going to certainly struggle with endings because the model we're being set, set up with is that everything always has to be getting better and better and more and more and every time it doesn't that's a failure same with mental health we've got to get happier and happier the recovery narrative it's yeah. not helpful we're, it's okay to no. suffer sometimes more and sometimes less oh really i love it this is point. such a great question because i can see like it's all connected oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah that line going up really is that the escalator thing isn't yeah it? it's that that we're that we're meant to the idea that we're meant to find our one we're meant to move in with them mm. and then we get a, a bigger house and a bigger flat and a bigger job and a bigger telly yeah. and then we die exactly and then we well then even that it's like we, that we have to people. pretend that's not really going to happen like most we're in a massively death denying culture and people are literally yeah. trying to get to immortality but also there is this sense of you know even those of us who don't buy that we sort of just pretend that that's you know and again it's something else that this current situation is bringing us much more close to is mm -hmm. but you could argue that is a better way to live is with the acknowledgement that things begin and end all the time um, rather than that sense of the graph going up and it's micro and macro too because that's exactly what we're sold with sex as well is the graph going up it's like yeah. you know the the whole sexual script is this kind of going up to this point of at a peak experience rather than exactly. a sense that we could be wherever we're at you know just be present to the current experience that we're having exactly and it also tells us that romantic relationships being more important than everything else means that we have to put all of our work and time into romantic exactly. relationships rather than friendships and community or our relation we talked about this on our uh, on our previous podcast love in the time of covid19 mm. uh, where we talked about different kinds of love and how you know, we're encouraged to reject all of those different kinds of uh, relationships that aren't romantic relationships as soon as we get into a romantic relationship. Yeah. Dear listener, you've probably experienced having a best friend of yours um, who disappeared for six weeks when they got into new romantic energy, new relationship mm. energy with their someone that they met and it's like it's all fucked up and that needs to stop happening it does um, um, if you want to more on this i've recently published a blog post called slow relating or slow relationships uh, oh. which deals with this in a lot of detail oh i've not read that ah, but we've talked it, about it came out yesterday it's a, it's a doozy oh. <laughs> to quote groundhog day i'm looking forward to reading that. that's over at rewritingtherules.com that's right um, um yes so there are material effects. So, so we are told that this is all easy and what we should all be striving for. Yeah. But materially, it's really hard to do this. So yeah. for a start, um, many people, in order to find work, are having to like, leave where they come from. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, I live in uh, London. Uh, I moved down here for work. Uh, I've made my friends down here and stuff. But mm. because everyone does that, rent's really expensive here. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, so and a lot of people are in the same situation as me so uh, but generally speaking rent's really expensive over the country again because of um, uh, in part because of Margaret Thatcher selling off uh, council housing in the UK but mm -hmm. also that um, house prices have become an asset rather than people's homes and people and there's been an interest in um, increasing people's uh, individual people's wealth because when uh, individuals have wealth they are more likely to become uh, more right-wing in their politics mm. and to vote in for right-wing neoliberal parties because, because the system is benefiting them. Have a sense yeah. of stake. Exactly, they mm. have a sense of a stake in the system. Anyway, as another uh, back to back to this, back to this. So, mm -hmm. uh, house prices and rent are really high. So we're all having to work these long hours, mm. and there are long commutes often for work to find the work that we yeah. that we want. Uh, there's no such thing as a job for life anymore. Really, um, we're having to. Um, for many many reasons all caused by neoliberalism we're having to shift jobs much more often than we yeah, were and feel precarious like bullying and, yeah 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. So there's often like bullying in the workplace or yeah. that this whole precarity model and the scarcity model is built into a lot of workplaces yeah. where people are told that they have to individually get on rather than the workplace encouraging a team or a community. Exactly. Of and there's more and more and more. You're meant to be good at everything and it just becomes impossible yeah. to actually fulfill. So you're constantly in that state of lacking and feeling like yeah. you're not enough and having to, to do more individually. Yeah, mm. but all of that all means that we don't have time for the sex and relationships that we might actually want, Yeah, right? So we're told, yeah. so even if even under the terms that they're telling us that what we need to do is to find someone, move in with them, have mm. kids, and then, you know, and build that life with them, we don't even have time to enjoy or do any of those things. No. So, so many friends of mine who have got kids are just completely rinsed out. Yeah. Um, because... Um, and the idea of, you know, having fun time, sex and relationships is like, oh, God, yeah. you know, I don't have time for that. I'm working and then I get home uh, late and then, uh, quoting them, and, mm. you know, we, uh, we have to put the kids to bed and we read the kids a story and then, you mm. know, I'm exhausted and then go to bed and then rinse and repeat. And you know? feel bad about and it often... and feel bad about it constantly because exactly. you're not living what you've been told is possible, which is to do all of that and more. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all being sold this idea that we're then that we then can't even really do no. but neoliberalism means that we then just keep working harder and harder in yeah. order to somehow get over a line where in the future in a couple of years maybe i'll yeah. really have to do this or we'll be able to get a bigger <laughs> house or we'll be able to move close to work or maybe i'll be able to get a different more better job and so yeah and so the cycle just repeats it's always repeats this false repeats. hills isn't it it's always like and it gets it just gets completely embedded in us like that's what I think, you know, for, for me, having just gone self-employed, it was a real chance to just see, wow, it's completely embedded in me, though. So even as I step outside of these things in relation to work and sex and relationships, mm. there's still that kind of like it's right in you. It's like insidious. It's got oh. into every pore, you know. And so as you try and as you try and then resist it individually, you notice how even you're thinking, you're feeling everything, your whole way of being is there and yeah. you know again that's really interesting what this potential is in this current situation to both see the systems out there as they fail and and to see how they're failing in you and to get a sense that maybe there is a different possibility but it requires this massive systemic change it, it isn't possible to just like yeah, yeah to just get work on great sex or to just well this yeah. is the this is mm. the bit that really links in with last week's podcast about radical higgah which yeah. is basically that people are and some research is kind of bearing this out as well that for many people we should point out here that for many people the lockdown is um way worse than yeah. it was before like this is not a pretty picture Got for there. a lot of people yeah so anyone working in um in uh, uh, uh a key what is it key key worker <laughs> key worker yeah oh. It's a term that's been using constantly for the last <laughs> four weeks, and I just forgot it. Uh, key worker role, anyone working in a caring role, mm. uh, cleaners, porters, mm. um, delivery drivers, uh, warehouse workers, um, doctors, nurses, care assistants. Um, people selling the food. Uh, teachers, people selling the food yeah. as well. People working in shops. Mm. Um, all those workers that we're relying on mm. um, uh, are having to deal with um also they have to trust that their employers are going to treat them well mm. uh which many are not yeah um and um but also they have the daily worry of are they going to get something yeah. um 
And also, mm. uh, for those that are locked down, mm. uh, people are often out of, well, a lot of people are out of work mm. at the moment. So, um, so uh, there is definitely different levels of privilege going on here. A lot of people uh, uh, are, have either uh, lost their jobs mm. uh, or dramatically lost a lot of their income. So this whole staying at home thing and being locked down is no good if you have no income whatsoever yeah. to, um, to those people, though government are trying to help most people, I think, uh, economically with the, with the various financial packages that they are have been working on, but it's still an incredibly scary time for people. Mm. However, with all that set aside as a caveat, yeah. as we discussed in last week's episode, that there is this, that many, many people are finding that this period of, um, you know, perhaps they're working from home, or mm. they're able to work a lot more flexibly, they're able to spend more time with their kids, or they're able to spend more time in the garden, they're spending mm. more time cooking and baking, and there, there is this kind of idea of like, um, a more mindful kind of nation who are also really feeling much more m much more socially bonded with people yeah. than they were before particularly like locally and geographically you know there've been the rise of mutual aid networks around the country mm. where literally people you know uh, because we are meant to be living as neoliberal um, atoms particularly in uh, individual individual atoms particularly in that london where i'm living mm. you know because there's so many, there's such a transient population everywhere, there isn't really a strong sense of community in a lot of areas. Um, but even in those areas, there is a really strong sense of, you know, I know that if I get ill, there are people around here who I've never met yeah. who will bring me food. Exactly. And it's so interesting you touch on mindfulness there because, you know, the, the neoliberalisation of mindfulness is something I've been really engaged mm. with these last years and seeing how mindfulness has been brought in to support a kind of neoliberal way of doing things. Um, and yet, like now, you can see that people are fine. Some people are finally experiencing what it is to be mindful and recognize it's not about you know add on this thing to do every day on an app mm. to your neoliberal yeah. life it's like it's a when, really good point right when you find because it requires a systemic change you can't be yeah. getting individuals to tag on mindfulness but what individuals may find is they become more mindful when the systems and structures change to enable that yeah 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 I mean, I guess what's happening for a lot of people mm. is that although it might be possible to experience mindfulness on the train into work in the morning, you know, sipping your coffee yeah. or might be able to experience mindful, mindfully eating a sandwich at your desk because lunch hours are no longer considered mm. uh, the norm in many workplaces that, you know, you could just slow down for half a minute and just um, mindfully eat your egg and crust sandwich. I would quite like an egg and crust sandwich right now. That's what I was thinking. But um, my nose wrinkled as you said it. Because <laughs> I'm not keen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in actual fact, mm. what um, what work is doing for so many people is constantly stressing people out or even traumatizing people that it's just mm. not possible for mindfulness to for their for their bodies to be able to be mindful. Exactly. That their sympathetic nervous system is constantly being active. And again, you've been put in a situation of being shamed around that. And there's people like uh, Ron Purser have been writing about mindfulness and capitalism. Also David, mm. something beginning with T, who's writing about it from a trauma-informed social justice perspective, um, which mm -hmm. I'm going to be blogging about soon. So it's, yeah, the, the it's just this another horrible double bind people are being put in if they're being encouraged mm. to do this tag on version of mindfulness 
um, mm. because it's sort of it's it's impossible. You're just being with this awful noise in your head. You're just being with the trauma mm. feelings um, because the system hasn't changed in any way to support it. And it's another yeah, it's another self improvement activity mm. that um, that isn't going to work, and that another way, but also another way of us beating ourselves up. Yeah. Because um, if we fail at doing it, it is the individual failing rather exactly. than the system failing. Yeah, and this is this is where this failing. is where a lot of the Buddhists are furious if they could be furious because obviously they're Buddhists, but you know <laughs> <laughs> they're like gent- gent- gently a little irate because it's like their thing has been taken and used to used to sort of enable this corrupt system. That's pretty awful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like any workplace that does uh, that has yoga sessions, mm. um, you know, at seven o'clock. You know, come along to free yoga, or we're doing like a mindfulness at mm. seven o'clock. Well, why are you asking your employees to stay at work yeah. beyond seven o'clock? Like, maybe you should just, you know, everyone could be working six hour days or four days a week, and then mm-hmm. they could go home and do whatever mindful activity they want to. Well, this do. is the craziness, um, isn't it? Because as, as we actually need far less work to be done everyone's being encouraged to do far more it's you know real real crazy system which which makes the people in it crazy so Mm. work and neoliberalism uh are making the sex and relationships more difficult even on the terms that neoliberalism is presenting the way that we should do sex and relationships it's making it almost impossible to do for many people Mm. in ways that feel good for them and also in ways that um that can be self-consensual and also consensual with other people mm. because we need to have the capacity to be able to have these conversations and to be able to bring that capacity in for work and yeah. uh, for, to do that kind of stuff. Anyway, but moving on to mm. the way that sex is kind of um, uh, not weaponized, but the way that sex is uh, seen as a resource and mm. something that we are meant to kind of get good at. And yeah. this is another effect that neoliberal, neoliberalism has had. And you've written a lot about this, MJ, mm. and your uh, brilliant academic book, um, uh, Mediated Intimacy, mm-hmm. uh, which is, a, is, I love the story about that, that that was the academic book that led for to us working together. Yeah. And then we wrote our book, Enjoy Sex, How, When, If You Want To, and started doing our podcast in the time it took for that book to come out. That's but right. It's a brilliant book. Shows us a lot about <laughs> academic systems. <laughs> Also, as soon as I as soon as I'd finally written a proper academic book, finally I got out of academia, <laughs> mostly because of all the stuff we're talking about. Because it's really, really yeah. bad there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the way that yeah. sex advice has been sold to us is yeah. that it's that we are all these um, like sexual subjects who are meant to get good at it, yeah. and we're all meant to kind of come to sex with a certain degree of um, a level of technique and. Mm. Uh, uh, the ability to do things, the ability to make other people do things, in order to secure yeah. the relationships we were just talking about. Exactly. So as, yeah. uh, as well as you know, putting you know anti wrinkle cream and uh, hair mousse, uh, both of which I use, <laughs> in order to you know make us look attractive. Because you, only, yeah, the only mm. important thing is looking attractive in order to attract uh, someone else for the mm-hmm. neoliberal atomized. Um, uh, sex and relationships, uh, sexual relationships we're meant to be having, but sex is also uh, seen as this thing that we can get good at in order to get. A it's all about goal. It's on the micro level yeah. goal of orgasm, on the macro level getting a partner, right? Or or be yeah. getting a good reputation, or yeah, it's like there's no way out of that whole goal focused. Yeah, the the graph goes up again and again, 
um, and yeah. and you know again it's like this massive cultural gaslighting because all the things we're being encouraged to do are precisely the things that will lead to worse sex yeah it's all 100% seriously the more I look at it the more I get this it's like that if you wanted to like give a blueprint like a map to bad sex all of the things we're taught about sex is what would take us there it's like we need to and come also, completely the opposite end I mean and not, the, yeah, sexu- exactly. not sexually and, and although, the, oh that can be fun but. yeah but the goal is also more sex <laughs> yeah. as well right so when we see uh, Dr. Eleanor Yanaga um, came on the show and mm. uh, talked to us about her theory of um, the objectification of sex and seeing sex mm. as um, a material um, a, a material thing that we can tap into and hoard and get some mm. of and the way that we talk about sex and the way that um, the way that sex has been uh, framed historically and present day uh, with like incel culture is that sex is something that some people get to have and other people don't get to have and there is this that is this object but basically that um i think that a lot of the advice that we're given about sex is not to enjoy sex but it's to get more sex yeah right so yeah. in order it to in order this, to yeah sort of self-fulfilling yeah. like you know okay now i've got to get more yeah you're not even enjoying you're never in the moment of you're never in the moment no. with any of this you're never in the moment exactly no. you're it's always like what can you get what can you get right yeah yeah so it's never really about like tuning into yourself mm. it's all being told that you have First of all, we're all told that we have to have sex yeah. and that it's normal to have sex, and that's not true. Uh, big shout out to the uh, asexual uh, folk out there. Yeah. Um, thank you for helping us all by reminding us that that isn't the case. Yeah. Thank you for being so patient with us yeah. as well. <laughs> um, uh, but also, mm. um, I know where it was my point. Mm. So we're told that we have to have sex, but we're never. It's it's also seen as verboten to actually tune into ourselves yeah. and think about what we might enjoy because there are so many rules about what it is that is normal and what we're meant to be doing. Exactly. Which is ultimately, still reproductive. And this is where it yeah. really relates back all back to what we started with because if you read like Audrey Lord's essay, The Uses of the Erotic, you know what she's mm. saying is, and what sort of uh, pleasure activists you know now are saying who are kind of building on her work is that if it's so dangerous to actually tune into the erotic mm. to what lights us up because we will then start to demand of everything in life that it gives us that we yeah. will see the injustices if we you know mm. so if we take the starting point to sex that we should be doing i i would argue mm. that you know what lights you up and it's fine if it's nothing and it's fine if it's way beyond you know we de- we question the div- dividing line even between sex and anything else it's just the erotic yeah. it's just anything that lights you up then yeah. you will then inevitably see the problems with this system and you will also mm. be operating in life in a way that demands that everybody be treated as equally valuable and that you know that things should give you this th- things should light you up rather than you know just being up for kind of the dull trudge of mediocre sex or work. And what is lighting people up now Mm -hmm. is their experience of cooking something, Mm -hmm. it's their experience of smelling flowers, it's hearing birdsong, it's if they can have sex, it's, you know, it's if they do get to have sex, if they live with a partner, it's sex, or solo sex. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, uh, and it's it's, it's these kinds of things that I think people are learning 
that uh, that those things light them up, and mm. that it's not the acquisition of things. Yeah. Uh, it's not being so goal focused as to get the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. In a world where we're all just having to stop and slow down and pause, mm. we are allowing the things that might light us up, that we might enjoy, to come to us rather than us going to and, and grasping them. Yeah. And so this is, so it's you know we're not saying so we're not saying here that we should all be having uh, like more. Uh, communal sex <laughs> but we should be again if you want to that's totally fine sex, or you yeah. could yeah <laughs> but we're not saying that the only way yeah the only way of uh, of having non-neoliberal sex is to have sex parties but many people do enjoy going to sex parties and um and can have a great time at sex parties uh and that's although many sex parties are also the goal of the goal of sex yeah. There is neoliberalism at hand at sex parties because often the goal of sex parties is to go to a sex party and to have sex and then to go to another sex party. Rather well, exactly. Than, oh, and this again, is an this, enjoyable is, sex party. this is where as but, well that like questioning yeah. those dividing lines is so helpful, I think, in, in terms of like, yeah, it just doesn't matter what lights you up. And I think we've got, again, we've the thing about sex is we've been sold this idea that sex is everything and that sex is the best thing. And romantic yeah. same the same as the prioritizing of romantic love over everything else yeah. is the pri prioritizing of one manifestation of the erotic over everything else again if you go to the audrey yeah. lord she's talking about writing a poem she's talking about building a bookcase mm -hmm. and that you know that's what you're saying it's like it's almost like a the potential for a leveling out of all of those things yeah. that light us up such that sex can be one of yeah. them for some of us yeah yeah, and even within sex, the, yeah. there is the hierarchy of the genital orgasms yeah. are like the top, the peak of a, a hierarchy, mm. and that everything else is lesser or, or doesn't count, and that's nonsense as well. Yeah. Uh, but again, and it's only because we're taught all of that, mm. and it's only because we're taught all of that in order to be good at it. Yeah. Uh, and the being good at it is important in order to get more of it and to get relationships uh, in order to be the kind of yes. subject that we're supposed to be. And the experts call you this. And monitoring ourselves. And the you know that experts you know still can't get my head around about you know like sex therapy and like no. the dsm and it's all got these ideas about how penises and vaginas should work and it's all just colluding in this mon monstrous yeah. um cultural gaslighting it's the worst <laughs> yeah <sighs> so mm. you can kind of see where we're, we're coming from yeah. dear listener obviously uh, we're covering a lot of ground here when we're talking about sex and relationships. And again, mm. we've got a wealth of material on this. Please, when people define us, they send us a message saying, wow, I've spent the last few weeks going through all of your podcasts and it's really great. So yeah. thank you to those listeners. You might want to consider doing that. But but this is to answer the, the going back to the original mm. question is, you know, what is neoliberalism and what effect is it having on our sex and relationships? And this is it. Mm -hmm. And so let this be a moment for whether you're having sex and relationships or or to even think about your relationship to sex and relationships yeah this really is the moment to start thinking about okay in what way can i really find a way that this is going to really do it for me yeah like what is going to work here for me um and rather than uh it being something that we're just seeking to accumulate or seeking to acquire or seeking to hoard mm. which is the way that many of us have seen sex and relationships and i've certainly seen it that way oh god absolutely yeah how can we how can we create the conditions where we can have open ourselves up to have these kinds of really 
amazing experiences. Now, for a lot of people, solo sex is going to be the easiest way mm. if if we're talking about just sex to do that. And there's two hours on that on our Patreon. Yes, and two hours on our Patreon. <laughs> um, but you know, and so this really brings us mm. into consent and yeah. the capacity to consent and the the freedom. The, the capacity and the freedom to choose, mm. which is what we're all about. Yes. And so, so many of these messages that we receive from neoliberalism and um, is uh, stops us from actually really tuning into what we might actually enjoy, what actually might light us up, because we get all of these codified rules mm. about what it is that we should be doing and how we should be doing it and for what purpose we should be yeah. doing it. And that is all neoliberal as fuck. And the way that it... Mm. Um, materializes within us is this self-monitoring panopticon idea of well am i doing the right thing or not mm. and if we can free ourselves of am i doing the right thing or not or is this normal or should i be doing this and um, so long as we're doing as so long as we're behaving legally and ethically with other people but to be mm. able to tune into ourselves and smell the flowers and you know make the sourdough bread or to listen to the birds singing i got some coming up i'm gonna eat sourdough bread while i listen to the birds sing after this yeah, podcast. Yeah. but yeah <laughs> and again the, the non the consent piece that we're always talking about it cannot be separated either because as you explained right at the start the neoliberal way of doing things is entirely non-consensual it relies on yeah. valuing somebody's and lives and labor completely um you know way less than others um yeah. and that's why it's that is part of why it's really hard to have consensual sex because our entire system is non-consensual yeah. and we have to you know t to look at that is incredibly painful because we have to see our role in that because we're all part of that system and mm -hmm. also we're encouraged under neoliberal neoliberalism to treat ourselves non-consensually all of the time in terms of work as we've seen that's how that operates mm -hmm. so yeah. how easy is it then to treat ourselves or others consensually when it comes to sex and i would say it's not you know, it's almost impossible that it's so hard. Yeah. Um, and the only way we can do it is by seeing all of those levels. And that's why we talk about how we have to look at power imbalances. You know, it's not mm -hmm. just about like, do you want to have sex? Yes, fine. No. That's why it's not like yeah. that, because it's embedded in every layer of the system, non-consent. Uh, exactly. And, mm. the, and the injustice and the inequality is embedded in ways where individually and um, which means that agency our ability to choose our capacity to mm. choose what we want is unfairly distributed yeah. some people have way more and others not I listened to a really good Michael Moore episode mm. uh, of his latest podcast called Rumble um, and he was talking about Donald Trump this was before the crisis really started and he was saying imagine you're a billionaire president of the you know the, the, the world's leading economic power you can wake up in the morning and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Imagine that, mm. that you can wake up tomorrow morning and you can do whatever the fuck you want. And you know, what he's doing is awful mm. and horrendous and harmful. But for some people are able to wake up in the morning and think, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. And other people wake up in the morning and think, in what way can I do anything that I want yeah. to do today? Like, is there a way of even choosing a single thing that I can do for me today that is something I can ask to say yeah. is something that I can do? And so, uh, and obviously there are going to be a lot of people in between, but agency and capacity is mm. unfairly distributed yeah. in that way. So in this way, neoliberalism and capitalism is fucking up our opportunity to have any consensual times with ourselves mm. and also with other people. Yeah. Because navigating that navigating trying to express agency where society hasn't given us any mm. or where um, because of um, individual or uh, 
intersecting different oppressions that we talked about earlier, like, uh, you know, um, if, we're, if a person of colour knows that they're going to get a funny look going into um, a restaurant that is full of white people yeah. or going to feel or is going to be treated badly as a result of, um, you know, just the first thing that came to my head, yeah. then they, they have less agency than Precisely. other people. Precisely, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what, so this consent, so navigating that with someone else who has more or less agency than us mm. is the, is what makes all of this really difficult. And actually mm. that's why it's intended not to do that. The most dangerous thing for capital mm. is for us to be having this thing that you were talking about with the Audre Lorde essay, the uses of the erotic, is for people to find ways of experiencing joy for themselves and with each other that don't require capitalism. Yes that are in some way existing outside of it. Mm. And in and at the moment, for many people, they're finding those ways of doing that. And it's going to be very difficult. Uh, they're not going to want to let go of some of that. Mm. So just in terms of some of the, the really basic material effects that it might have is that for people who are able to work from home using Zoom, mm. then why should they go into the office every day? Yeah. Couldn't they go into the office like, well, I know this is a very basic idea, and it is, mm. as Joanna Ramiro was saying last week, it's like an interim demand mm. for, while well, we'll, we'll wait for the proper uh, class uh, revolution. Yeah. But, um, you know, why should people, you know, like, not spend more time at home in the garden? Yeah. Like, why do we need to have, like, present, the presenteeism, presenteeism, presenteeism at work of having to be in for five days a week. Yeah. Why can't we move to a, what tasks need to be done? How can we work together to get these tasks? Precisely. You know, yeah. that's, so a lot of yeah. people are going to be like having those thoughts. Mm. And, and so that's where, so when we're, so the, so, and again, this is like referring to Audrey, uh, Audrey, this is back into Audrey Law territory, mm. but this is why it's what, when we're talking about joy and the ability to experience the erotic in the broadest sense in that way, the, if, like I said before, sourdough, sniffing flowers, um, uh, orgasms or deep, intense pleasure from sex or mm. just feeling incredibly comfortable or slow and present and just uh, being, you know, using all of our senses to have, um, you know, just a really uh, nice moment to ourselves. Um, being able to experience that joy is like the antidote. It's like yeah. it's we. It's the it's the opposite of what capital wants yeah. us to do. Yeah, it's the and so we have to be able to um, find ways of continue continuing to do that mm. and in continuing to do it in ways where we're not competing for mm -hmm. this with other people. Yeah, that we're working collectively and socially with other people to build on these social bonds in orders to help us all to be able to have more of this in our life. And this is where this idea of like collective, mm. uh, this collective idea that a lot of people are experiencing for the first time is potentially incredibly powerful. Mm. And that's what we're really wanting to get over in the work that we do is that that's the really important bit. That's, yeah. you know, that we, that what we're doing and we've never, it sounds like we're defending ourselves. We don't have to defend ourselves because we've never done any of this at all. We always the reason why we're always talking about neoliberalism and the reason why we've got a question about neoliberalism mm. is that we're always talking about it is because of this. Mm, exactly. Yeah, and it's like whether you start again from the micro or the macro, it leads to the same place, right? If as you as you're mm. saying, if you if you find that capacity for that kind of joy, it should lead you to the same place of like how do, how do I enable a life such that 
everyone can have this rather than what we were doing before. But if you start from the macro of let's look at these systems and how they're operating, oh, we see that they're in just, and we see that they're going to bring the end of the planet, you know, then again, yeah. it should lead us to the same place of this needs to change. I see it as kind of like pushing um, mm. a wall to make space for you to do it. So mm. by by doing by doing the thing that is bringing us joy in this way, like real real actual joy in the mm. way that we're we're talking about. By doing that, you're creating a space where you're pushing a wall to create more space. We're increasing our capacity yeah. to experience joy for ourselves and with other people by pushing this wall back. And so the act of doing it is creating more capacity and in the act, the act of doing it is in itself disrupting and um, and making and disrupting neoliberalism it is mm. it is pushing it back yeah um, so that's the that's the kind of the way I'm seeing it that by doing it we are building capacity mm. to do it it's not that we you know have a nice wank and then go out to a protest it's that we do all of this yeah uh, at the at the same time, and that by doing it, we're creating more capacity for ourselves within a system yeah. which wants us to be at full capacity all the time. Yes, exactly. To have no capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> That's that sorted then. Well, we thought we think so. Yeah. Is there anything else? Have we we've covered everything? I think so. Have, yeah. Right? I think that was uh, that was good. I enjoyed that. Whether whether or not our listeners slash watchers, viewers, enjoyed that, I found that incredibly helpful. Uh, Well, it's... um I think it's just uh, it's a it's a useful point in history because we don't know whether this is going yeah Mm. we we literally don't know what's going to happen next yeah exactly Um, we could get more and it's worse yeah or it could all just end well this is it systems do endeavor to recreate themselves and i think that's something to watch out for individually and socially that um it's very easy to snap back into old habits um and old systems and so i think that Mm. seeing this as like an internal and external systemic change or having the potential to be is really valuable and on on the internal level certainly going very easy with yourself that systemic change doesn't have happen overnight and it probably doesn't happen without some pain as well i think you get really pushed well this is the work i'm trying to do and you go back into these old habits and realize how excruciating they are you know there's something about slowing down and noticing them so it's not it's not just as simple as like tuning into the joy it's also kind of facing the grief and trauma of like how long you've lived this way and what a number that's done on you and other people and again i'm blogging quite a lot about that at the moment about how you might shift these patterns internally um and also that it needs that wider systemic change to support it you you can't again you can't neoliberally expect yourself to make all these internal changes without any systems or structures of support no but then neoliberalism also said neoliberalism also says that feelings are just something to be managed and gotten over and yeah. dealt with. No, it's like and avoided being with all the feelings. Keep doing things. Yeah, no, yeah. no, and, and so, that's and that's a lot why we were hooked into it, right? Because that that yeah. when we stay really busy and do all the things, or when we just distract mm. ourselves by shopping or watching TV or whatever, both of those strategies mm. keep us from the pain which we are going to have to feel if we recognise the trauma that we've been through by treating ourselves and everybody else non-consensually under neoliberal capitalism. But that- okay, dear listener slash watcher, <laughs> uh, please, uh, I, I know I need a haircut, but you know, I combed it, at least. It looks fine. I combed my hair this morning. I think Thanks. both our hair looks strong. And I don't use anti-wrinkle cream and I'm enjoying my wrinkles. 
I don't use antibacterial. <laughs> I was joking about that. I use a moisturiser. I do use you know, a moisturiser. Yeah. Dry skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's different. Yeah. <laughs> I do use mousse sometimes. I do. Anyway. I use wax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a waxer. I am a waxer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right then, dear listener, let's let's sign off. So remember, we've got our Patreon if you want all of our content. So uh, patreon.com forward slash Meg, John and Justin. And um, if you like this episode, you can tweet at us at Meg, John, Justin. Uh, we're on the other social medias too, but we mostly just use Twitter. Yeah. Um, and if you like the episode, do share it with your... I mean, a lot of people find it hard to share these kinds of episodes by social media, but do share it among your, your, your networks, your peoples. And... Um, and uh, that's it, isn't it? Yep, you can get our books and zines on megjohnandjustin.com. Yeah, we also do some yeah zines that will help you with a lot of the stuff that we've talked about mm. throughout today's episode. So, till next time. Okay. Bye. Bye then. <laughs>